Awesome. You guys are supposed to be the most alive group out of all of the services. You just finished eating, right? Well, maybe that might be a problem, right? Especially if you ate turkey, you know, that tryptophan makes you go to sleep. But I promise you, you're not going to go to sleep in this service today. Hey, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue our series entitled Supernatural, Supernatural. And we have been looking at the supernatural world and we've been looking at how we as human beings need to understand, our eyes need to be open to the supernatural spiritual world. Jesus said, unless the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you want to worship God, you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so there's a spiritual world. And the spiritual world is just as real as the physical world. And the truth is, every day of your life, the spiritual world and the physical world collide. They're interdependent on one another. And a lot of things that happen to us in our life are a result of the spiritual world. And we need to be conscious of that spiritual world. Why? Because last week we learned that when we're conscious of the spiritual world, we, know, we understand who our real enemy is. We not only understand who our real enemy is, but we're also understanding that we're never alone. That God walks with us wherever we go. We might not see him with our physical eyes, but God will never leave us nor forsake us. And we understand the spiritual world is real and we've got to understand that if the spiritual world is real, then we've got to focus on, as Jesus said, set your heart on those things that are above. Amen? Jesus said it this way. He said that we're not to store our treasures on earth where rust and moth and thieves come in and break in and steal and, and destroy. He said, but we're to store our treasures in the spiritual world. Paul the Apostle said that we keep our eyes on that spiritual world. And so today I want to talk about spiritual warfare. I want to begin the, the, this whole process. I'm going to unpackage it for you. And what we're going to do for the next several weeks is we're going to talk about spiritual warfare in the context of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. So Paul the Apostle says, finally, after all that I told you, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness in this present world. And also forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so Paul the Apostle wants us to see that there's a spiritual war that's going on in the heavenly realms. And the truth is, as we went out this week and we interviewed people, as you saw that wonderful video that my daughter, Julia, put together, um, we interviewed people and we asked them if they believed in the devil. And many of them said they didn't even believe in the devil. And the truth is, the devil wants to be disguised. He, he wants people not to even believe that he exists. He wants people to think, you know, just uh, the devil is a figment of our imagination. The truth is orthodox Christianity, fundamental Christianity believes that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And if the Bible is infallible and inerrant, then it is clear through the Bible that there is a devil. But see, the truth is there's a lot of religious liberals who have chosen to disbelieve or just to truly believe that the devil doesn't actually exist. And the reason why they do that is because they said now that, now that we see how nature works, you know, back then in those, you know, 
days when people were superstitious when there was a hurricane it was a demon you know when people got sick it was a demon but now we know how things really work that the truth is demons don't exist the devil is just a figment of people's imagination and that's exactly what the devil wants for all of us to believe that he doesn't exist but the truth is we have a real enemy and he would love for you to be lulled to sleep to believe that he really doesn't exist and so today we're going to talk about Satan we're going to talk about demons so where does Satan come from well the truth is before Satan was Satan he was Lucifer and the Bible says that he was a beautiful angel created by God turn with me if you would to Isaiah let's look at Isaiah and see what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14 about the enemy now now remember that this was written about an earthly king but most theologians believe there are two scriptures in the Bible that even though they've been written in context to an earthly king it was actually talking about the devil himself and Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 says how you have fallen from heaven O morning star son of the dawn you have been cast down to earth you who once laid low the nations you said in your heart I will ascend to the heavens above the stars of God I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain I will ascend above the tops of the clouds I will make myself like the most high but you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit and so the enemy himself, the devil said, I will ascend. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. The devil said, no, not thy will, but my will be done. And he said, I will ascend above God. I will be like God. And Ezekiel chapter 28 gives us a clearer picture of who Satan was while he was in heaven as an angel. Notice what it says in Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 12. You were the model of perfection. Wow. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan was a beautiful angel. And, and you know a lot of theologians even believe that Satan had music that just came out of him. And I, I can believe that. That Satan had music just coming at him because he uses music really powerfully to control people. And so it says, you were perfect and you were beautiful. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as the guardian cherub. For so I, I ordained you. And you are on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. Notice what it says in verse 17. Your heart was corrupted. Your wisdom because of your beauty you were corrupted so I threw you to the earth I made a spectacle of you before kings and so building on this foundation now we go to the book of Revelation and Revelation is a, a really peculiar book because what it really does is Revelation it, it gives you um, some information about what's gonna happen in the future and then it silas it stops the Hebrew word for stop pauses sila it stops and it gives you 
something that happened in the past. It's like a snapshot of what happened in the past. And so the book of Revelation says in chapter 12, and there was a war in heaven. When did that war happen? Many thousands of years ago. There was a war in heaven. And who was it between? It was between God and Satan. Lucifer, the morning star, who was lifted up with pride. He was so beautiful and seemingly so perfect that he was lifted up with pride. Now, did God make the devil? No, he never created the devil. He created Lucifer, the morning star. He created an angel. God never created evil. He created an angel. But the Bible says that because Lucifer was lifted up with pride, he decided that he's going to ascend above God himself and become God. And God simply drop kicks him out of heaven. Notice what it says. It says, and there was a war in heaven. Go back. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. Friends, let me tell you something. Some people think that the devil and God are co-equal. The devil is no match for God. There was no disputing. There was no big war. There was no big battle. He came against God. And the Bible says that he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. Let me tell you. Jesus said, I saw Satan descending or hurled out of heaven like lightning. That's how quick it happened. The devil came and said, I'm going to be God. And God said, oh, really? Boom. You're out of here. And he dealt with the angels as well that were fallen angels, they'll call them. And some theologians believe that the fallen angels now have become Satan's demons. Now, Satan is very smart. He's, he's, he's studied the kingdom of heaven for a long time. And I believe that he set up his kingdom like the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven has angels and archangels and has authority and those that are over them. And, and there, are, there are actual angels that are assigned to certain areas. Because angels are not omnipresent. Nor are demons omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at all times. Only God. Not even Satan is omnipresent. And so there are demons that are, that are set up and assigned to different districts, I believe, of the world. And the same thing with angels. And so here we find that, that Satan was cast out of the kingdom of heaven and hurled to the earth. And as a result of that, we know where he came from. Now, what does he do? Now, the, the word Satan is, really means enemy. So the name Satan is, is saying that he is our enemy. He's our arch enemy. The devil, the word devil means deceiver. So he is our enemy and he is the deceiver of mankind. Very important. So what are some characteristics and attributes of the devil? Well, Satan is a personal being. He's not just a force as some people would say. He's not just evil in the world. But he's an actual person. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that he's a person. He speaks. He knows. He works. He disputes. He desires, he schemes, he wills, he pours out his wrath, and he deceives. What's the characteristics of Satan? Well, he's evil. He is inherently evil. He one time was not evil, but now he is completely evil. He is sinful, he's deceitful, he's deceiving, he's the father of lies, he's a murderer, he's malicious, and he is self-exalting. He loves for people to worship him. He loves for people 
to actually follow him. Why? Because he's filled with pride. What's the activity in Christians lives? What, what can he do? What can he not do? Well number one, the devil can tempt us. The devil is allowed to tempt God's people and so he tempts us. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5, James 1 14. He accuses the brethren. He tempts us, he gets us to that place where we sin and then he accuses us. He takes advantage. He persecutes Christians. Do you know that the devil is allowed to persecute Christians? Why? Why would God allow the devil to persecute Christians? Because, you know, God knows that when we go through persecution, as the Bible says in Peter, we come out like pure gold. The harder the devil works to persecute the church, the more the church becomes more like gold. Hallelujah. The more we understand our plan, the more we understand how much we love God, the more we're devoted to God. And so the church has always been persecuted by Satan. What is he not allowed to do in a believer's life? He's not allowed to steal our soul. He's not allowed to destroy us in the sense that, you know, the Bible tells us greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But he can take advantage of us. He can get a foothold in our life. The Bible says don't go, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger, lest you give the devil a foothold in your life. Now God's going to finish the work, but let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of stuff that needs to go on between here and eternity. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to deceive you, to tempt you, to get you to sin. Why? Because he knows that if he can get you to sin, if he can get you to take your armor off, if he can get you to play with things that you ought not to be playing with, he can bite you. I mean, he can really hurt you bad. Some people believe that the devil is a toothless lion. No, I think he has teeth. And if you mess with the devil, he's going to hurt you really bad. I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament when the people of God, they had the protection of God upon their lives, the people of Israel. And there was a king that wanted to march against the Israelites. So he hired a false prophet. His name was Balaam. And Balaam came back and said to the, to the king that wanted to destroy the Israelites, there's no way that I can curse them because God's protection is over them so I can't speak a curse over the people of Israel ah but if you get them to sin and rebel then God will take his protection off of them and then bam then you can destroy them and that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel so the enemy is going to try to tempt you young person the enemy is going to try to tempt you to take your armor off to flirt with demonic forces so that he can really inflict pain in your life. Now listen to me. The devil is strong, but Christians are stronger through God. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. So let me tell you, Satan is strong, but Christians are stronger. Glory to God. Number two, Satan will tempt us and he will try to take advantage of us. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, but God always gives us a way of escape. And even though Satan is tempting us, God always gives us a way of escaping that temptation. So the devil is strong, Christians are stronger. The devil tempts. But we can live above temptation because he always gives us a way of escaping and the devil should not be feared. Why? Because Jesus is more powerful than deceiving, even deceiving demons and devils. And so we understand that we need to have an understanding, a respect 
Not a respect like we honor the devil, but a respect for his power. We understand that we can't play with the enemy. You know, I, I, um, I travel to the Jersey Shore once or twice a year. We love the Jersey Shore. There's a, a beautiful town called Ocean City. We love to go there. It's a dry city, no alcohol in the city. It's a family-friendly place, and we go there once a year. And so we went there this weekend. It was my daughter's 18th birthday. Can you imagine I have... I have a 23-year-old, a 20-year-old, and an 18-year-old. How, how could he have a 23-year-old? He doesn't even look like he's 26 years old. I know you're saying that yourself. So we're celebrating our 18th birthday. We went down to the shore. And um, yesterday morning, I got up early. I pray every day. Friends, you have to pray every day of your life. If you don't pray every single day of your life, the devil's going to hurt you bad. I'm telling you. And so I got up early and I was, I was actually hanging out with one of my good friends. And, and so we went out, we went down and prayed for a little while. We really couldn't find anywhere else to pray. So we actually went into the restaurant. We were sitting at a booth and we were talking and praying. We were talking about the Lord. We were talking about things that are going on and we were praying. And as we were talking and praying, this girl actually literally turns around. She looks right at me. And the first thing I'm thinking to myself is, why are you listening to my conversation? That's so rude. Listen, let me tell you something. Never forget this. They're listening to your conversations. They're listening to your conversations at diners. They want to know what you're saying. People are nosy. And so she, she literally jumped up and looked at me. I was like, this is kind of weird, right? And she said, I got a question for you. And I said, okay, you know, ask the question. She did not know I was a pastor. Never said I was a pastor. And she, instead of asking me a question, she said something to me that rung my bell. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it, it really ruined my beach day. She looked at me and she said, I have been in Europe for 10 years. She said, I've lived in Holland. She says, there's a spirit, a demonic spirit that's come from Holland to America. She, this is what she said to me. And she said, let me tell you something. She says, what America needs is not a bunch of preachers that preach. We need people that pray. She said, we have lost the art of prayer and fasting. She looked at me. She said, we don't need more preachers. We need more prayers. She ruined my beach day. I'm telling you. And that just stuck in my mind. She said, there is a spiritual war that's going on. And we're never going to be able to win the war unless we learn how to pray and fast. She got up. She said, nice meeting you. And she disappeared. And I tell you, it was like, I mean, she didn't like really disappear. Come on, let's not get spooky here, all right? Like people are like, wow, she really did, right? Dude, man. No, 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 no. I mean, she just left the building, okay? Elvis is gone. But I knew, I knew, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not into that spooky, woo, you know, stuff. But I knew it was God. I knew God sent that young lady to tell me that. And all day long, it just kept on speaking to me all day long, all day long, that we're in a spiritual war. And unless we start praying and seeking God, unless we start praying and fasting, we're never going to win the war. Because the enemy is playing for keeps. And let me tell you, you get out of the protection of God, he will hurt you. So let's talk a little bit about demons for a little while. 
So we know who Satan is, we know where he came from, and we know he's limited in power, but what do demons do? Well, number one, the first thing that demons do is demons can literally influence kings and governmental officials. I'm not kidding. It's really critical for us to understand. Now you might say, well, I, you know, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure if I believe in demons. I've never seen a demon. Well, let me tell you, I have. I remember when I was um, a youth pastor, I had traveled to Argentina. And they were having a revival in this church. And I was the guest speaker. And it was a real honor to be in this church because this church was so filled with people. I mean, it was like an hour or two before and it just filled up with people. And there were people lined up around the outside of the building. They were looking in. And God was doing a great work in that church. Listen, let me tell you something. There are a lot of demons that are sitting in the pews of churches. Let me say that again. As long as there's no revival, as long as there's no prayer, as long as there's no fasting, as long as there's no red-hot preaching the Word of God, then demons are going to be comfortable in church pews. Let me tell you something. I know there's demons in church pews. I've seen them. They've split churches. They've divided churches. They've hurt pastors. They've hurt leaders. <laughs> and they come in the form of people that are, that are controlled by demonic forces. I mean, I'm praying for the churches on Long Island. And I'm praying for the churches in general because so many of them have been destroyed. And there were influences behind those demons. Or, or behind those, those people that were influenced to destroy those churches. But, but I was at a church, I remember, in Argentina. And I, was, and I began to preach... Revival was in that church. God was moving. And um, there was a group of young ladies that had been involved in the occult. They had been involved in witchcraft. And as a result of being involved, the pastor told me afterwards. He didn't tell me before, thank you, pastor. But he told me after the service, I said, what's up with this? He said, there's a group of young people, a group of young ladies, and they're involved in witchcraft. They're involved in the occult. And so I preached the gospel, and after I preached the gospel, I called people to come up and give their lives to the Lord, and then the people came up to the altar, and they were giving their lives to the Lord, and, and so we prayed, and, and I started praying, laying my hands on people, and I, and I prayed for this one young lady, and she fell down, she started swerving like a snake, and she started going crazy. She was possessed by a demon and we cast out the demon and God gloriously delivered this young lady and I went on and I was praying and uh, speaking and then just praying for other people and bam I laid my hands on this other young lady and she started backing up out of the church she didn't even she couldn't even see where she was going but she somehow was able to back up straight right outside the church she was trying to get away from me and I kept on praying until she was gloriously delivered from demon possession one time I was here in this church and we were praying. I'll never forget this. We were having a prayer meeting. Spirit of God, red hot, God's moving, God's working. And there's a lady, she came to the altar and she knelt right here. She had been in the church for years. And she knelt down and, and uh, she started to pray. And I just went over. I just, just, thank you, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Just like that. I didn't know she was demon-possessed. The lady jumped up and started running back and forth, speaking in, in, in different voices. And she had to be delivered from demon possession. Two days we had prayed and sought the Lord and asked the Lord to deliver this young lady. Friends, the demonic world is a very real, real world.
And one of the things that demons do is they influence governmental leaders and kings of nations. Remember the story in Daniel chapter 10. I'm not going to read it because of time. But Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says that Daniel begins to pray for Israel. Israel is in a mess. They're in big trouble. And, and Daniel begins to pray for Israel. And he prays and fasts for 21 days. He hears nothing. He needs a vision from God. He needs the direction. He needs a spiritual breakthrough in the heavenly realms. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And the 21st day, an angel appears to Daniel. And he says, Daniel, from the first moment that you set your heart to pray, God heard and I was sent to you. But listen, he said this, but the prince of Persia, he resisted me. I had to get reinforcements. I called Michael the archangel. He was such a powerful, powerful prince of darkness that the archangel Michael had to come and assist me. And I'm here to give you the answer because we overcame the king of Persia. Now listen to me. Here's the important thing. The Persian Empire was the empire at that time in the physical world. And so what we're seeing as God is opening our eyes and showing us the spiritual world was the king of Persia was being influenced by a demonic force that was called the prince of Persia. And notice what the, the angel says to Daniel. You could read it. The angel says, now I'm leaving you and in a short time I will have to confront and deal with the prince of Greece. Anybody knows history knows that Greece took over the world after the Persians. And so we can see that in the demonic realm, in the spirit realm, demons can influence governmental leaders. Friends, let me tell you, our government, the things that are happening in the United States today, let me tell you, we will never see a change until the church decides we're going to start praying and fasting. We pull down strongholds through prayer and fasting. Now you could say we need to pick it and that's all good. You can say we need to call our congressman and that's all good. But friends, let me tell you, nothing is going to change until the spiritual climate of the church changes, until the people of God begin to pray and fast. That's why Paul the Apostle said in Timothy, I, I exhort you to pray for those that are in authority. He didn't say pick it. He said pray and fast for those that are in authority. Now we look in Revelations and we see in Revelations again, a picture of what's going to happen during the tribulation period. Turn with me if you would to Revelation. Revelation chapter 16, we see how demons influence leaders of world powers during the tribulation period. Notice what, what John the Apostle sees. God once again opens his eyes. These are men of God who see things into the spirit realm that no one else can see. And what does John the Apostle see? Obviously he sees a lot of things in the book of Revelation. But one thing he sees, notice what he says in Revelation chapter 16 verse 13. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs, frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon and from the mouth of the beast and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they really are the spirits of demons that perform signs, wonders, and miracles. Look at me. Listen to me. Just because a person performs a sign and a wonder and a miracle doesn't mean he's of God. John tells us to test all spirits. I'm going to read that in a minute. Test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. 
I don't care if they're, you're watching them on Oprah. I don't care if you're watching them on uh, a Christian TV show. I don't care what they've said they've done. Let me tell you, not every spirit is a spirit from God. That's why the people of God has to have a discernment of the spirit to know what spirit it's coming from. And there's a lot of people that are mixing a little bit of truth with a whole lot of lie and they're deceiving the masses. Why? Because they're performing signs and wonders. People love signs and wonders. We don't run after signs and wonders. We run after the spirit. We run after the truth of God's word. Come on somebody. And the Bible says they will go forth to the rulers and leaders of all the world to gather them together for war on the day of God the Almighty and they gathered them together at the place which is in Hebrew called Armageddon so these spirits these lying deceiving spirits John sees the dragon John sees the beast who's the beast the Antichrist who's gonna come as a political leader listen to me the Antichrist is not gonna come with horns and a pitchfork and say, I'm the Antichrist and I'm here to drag you to hell. He's going to come as a political leader. And the Bible says he's going to be demon possessed. And when he speaks, he's going to be influenced by demons. And he is going to be able to influence the other kings of the earth. And the Bible says he will influence them in such a way through demonic power and possession and confusing words that they will come and gather together and make an allegiance to fight against God Almighty on the day of the great battle of Armageddon. Number two, demons deceive, they lie. That's what they do. Why? Because they're like the father of lies, like Satan himself. And Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. And so demons will do anything they can to distort the truth. Why? Because listen to me, look at me. Truth is the basis for freedom. Let me say that again. Truth is the basis for freedom. Jesus said, you will know the truth and it will what? You will know the truth and it will what? Truth is the basis for freedom in our life. Lies and deceptions cause bondage in our life. That's why I want to encourage you, if you're a new believer, to come to the foundations class that I teach on Wednesday night at 7.30. Because let me tell you, one of the most important things that a new believer can do is put on the belt of truth. We're going to talk about that next week. To build a great foundation of the word in your life that you will not be deceived by the enemy. Notice, demons use a little bit of truth and they distort it so that you can believe a lie. That's why Paul the Apostle said, if anyone comes preaching another gospel, let him be, listen to me, strong words, let him be accursed. Why? Because let me tell you, there's, there's more religious people than Satan worshipers that are going to hell today say what do you mean by that there's a lot of religious people that are not embracing the truth of the gospel the gospel is this Jesus died he rose on the third day he's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory he sent the Holy Spirit a man must be born again you can only have salvation through uh, uh, the free gift of salvation it's not by works lest any man should bow the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life it's not by works and there are a lot of religions, there are a lot of cults that take a little bit of Christianity and they mix a lot of it with lies and they're deceiving the masses. It may look good, it may sound good, it may even look Christian, but it's not. It's a lie from the pit of hell to deceive people into believing that they can go to church 
and depend on their good works to get to heaven come on somebody say amen there are more religious people that are going to hell than atheists and Satan worshippers because they're deceived by doctrines of demons notice what it says in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 listen to me 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 the spirit clearly says in the latter times some will abandon the faith and listen and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons he's not he's not talking about like outright like I am the devil worship me he's talking about deceiving lying spirits deceiving the people of God getting them to believe half-truths getting them to believe things that are not going to lead them into the kingdom of God notice such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared with a hot iron one of the biggest tricks of demons is to get you and I to believe false doctrine and lead us astray notice in first Timothy chapter 4 he says there will be those that deceive people into believing that they should abstain from marriage and abstain from certain foods that's it he's not he's not saying demons that'll tell you to worship Satan he's saying they're gonna deceive you they're gonna give you enough Christianity to believe that you have enough Christianity to get to heaven and enough of false information to keep you out of the kingdom of God and so we've got to be very wise and understanding that there are spirits that are trying to deceive Christians notice what it says in 1st John chapter 4 turn with me 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world remember what he said there will be demons in the mouths of false prophets in the last days and they will speak as if they're speaking the oracles of God remember in the Old Testament that there were times when God allowed a lying spirit to speak through the false prophets to give Israel false assurance of things he, he even said God said and I will send a lying spirit to them because they would not come and understand the truth and embrace the truth but they were so rebellious that God said I'm gonna release a lying spirit was it God's spirit no it was a lying spirit and God released that lying spirit because they were so rebellious notice what it says dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see if they're from God because many false prophets I'm gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God Wow back then there was called Gnosticism where they were saying that Jesus never came he never came in the flesh he was just a spirit and he never died in the flesh no the Bible says God sent his only begotten son into the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and they were just deceiving people by putting false doctrine into a truth about Jesus that he did come they said yeah he came but he really didn't die you see if Jesus really didn't die then we don't have eternal life we're not eternally saved so he said test every spirit to see if they're really of God and let me tell you there's a lot of preachers today that are preaching just enough Christianity to get people to come to their churches but are not enough of the truth to get people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and the Bible says there's gonna be a great falling away why because they're not truly saved 
Man, I shudder to think that one day I'm going to be held accountable for the things that I preached as a pastor, that I lead people into the truth. And here's what Paul the Apostle says in Galatians. He says to the, to the Galatians, he said, you started in the Spirit. He said, somebody preached the gospel to you, the truth, the gospel that set you free. He said, but who has bewitched you? What a word. That's a strong word. He says, who has beguiled you? Who has deceived you? Who has bewitched you that you would start in the Spirit? Now you're trying to satisfy God in the flesh. You see, they were false doctrines. And Paul the Apostle said, if anyone comes preaching another Christ, let him be accursed. Let's go on. Number three, demons desire to inflict pain and suffering on you and I. You know why they want to see you suffer? Demons hate you because God loves you. And you are a mirror image of God himself. And if demons cannot destroy God, they're going to try to destroy you. Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And a man greets him on the way. And the man says, Oh, Jesus, I asked your disciples to deliver my son from this demon who torments them. Day and night, this demon takes him and throws him into the fire. He torments him. That's what demons do. They torment God's creation. Whether you're a Christian or not, God loves you. And it breaks the heart of God when people are tormented. And the devil, he wants to torment us physically. He wants to torment us emotionally. Remember Saul, he was a good king. And he backslid. And he denied God. And, and then he was possessed by an evil spirit. And the Bible says he was tormented by that evil spirit. And the only thing that could get him to feel better was Pastor Josh playing the harp. The Bible says King David used to play the harp and the spirit would leave. Why? Because the truth is when God's people begin, listen to me, you want to resist the enemy, worship the Lord. You want to resist the enemy, worship Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You want to create an atmosphere of victory. You want to create an atmosphere of holiness. You want to resist the enemy and he will flee. Begin to worship God Almighty. Come on somebody. Begin to worship the King. When there's true deep worship, the enemy cannot stay. But Saul was tormented by this demon. The Bible says when, when they came to the, the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he is suffering greatly. Demons want to torment people. Number four, demons want to isolate and control you. Listen to me. Look at me. Demons want to isolate you, get you away from people that can speak in your life. Look at me, young person. Or you think it's just a... A phase of rebellion that you're going through but let me tell you demons want to isolate you from people that can speak truth in your life you see demons are deceivers they're liars and they're gonna whisper in your ear and they're gonna lie to you and if there's no one there to hold you accountable if there's no one there to say no this is what the Word of God says then you're all by yourself and they want to isolate you I'm reminded of the story of the man who was demon-possessed and he lived in the tombs. The Bible says this, listen to me. And Jesus, he went over to the other side, to the side of the Gadarenes, and he met a man. And he asked the man, what is your name? And the man said, we are legion, for we are many. Now, I don't want to get you all spooked now. 
And the Bible says that this man was often, listen to me, he was often driven into the cemetery, into an isolated place. You see, the demons would drive him away from anyone who could help him. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to drive you away from the pastors that love you, from the people of God, from the community of faith, from people. That's why it's so important when you hear the voice that says to you, I don't need to be a part of a small group. I don't need to be a part of the community. I could just come to church on Sunday morning and do what I want. I can, I can even watch church online. No, you know, let me tell you something. That's a trick of the enemy because he wants to isolate you and get you all by yourself so he can control you. And notice what this said. It said that he was isolated and he was tormented. And what did he do? He began to cut himself. Man, there is a phenomena today in the American teenage world where kids are cutting themselves. They're inflicting pain because the devil loves to isolate you, control you, torment you, and then really hurt you. Don't let the enemy isolate you and get you out of the church of God the family, the community of God. And number five, demons want to paralyze us with fear. Demons work on fear. They want to make you afraid. Why? Because they know. They know that they're not more powerful than God that's inside of you. That Jesus is more powerful than demons. Now, I I'm going to tell you in a few moments that you ought not to flirt with demons. But let me tell you something. The Bible says in Timothy, we have not received the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Look at me. Listen to me. I looked that up in the Greek, and spirit means spirit. It doesn't mean attitude. It doesn't mean emotion. It means spirit. And so Paul the Apostle says to young Timothy, he said, you didn't receive a spirit, a demonic spirit of fear. He said, but you have received the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. He said, you have received the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. You have nothing to fear. See, the devil wants to paralyze you. He loves to see you afraid. That's why these horror films are no good for you. Because they fill fear in your heart. And fear is not of God, friends. Fear is not of God. It's of the enemy. And the enemy wants to paralyze you with fear. He wants you to be afraid of the demonic world. Why? Because if you're afraid of the demonic world you won't go in the power of the spirit and pray for people that demon possess you won't minister in the power of the spirit you'll just deny it you'll you'll try to pretend it's not there and you'll just run from it why because you're afraid of it and we have no reason to be afraid of the demonic world why because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and no weapon that is formed against us will prosper God give us a group of people that are not afraid of the kingdom of darkness <laughs> when I was in Argentina it's kind of com comical, but I was preaching, and as I was preaching and praying, and when I went over to lay my hands on this young lady, you know, the people came from all over, and they were around the altar, they were everywhere, they were crowded around the altar, and as soon as this lady started to manifest, they all, Phew. I'm like, thank you for leaving me all by myself. <laughs> they were afraid to confront the demon. And friends, I want you to know, God wants to rise up, wants to raise you up, He wants you to rise up, and understand, you don't need to be afraid, but you need to confront it. The Bible says that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you shall receive power. Power to confront the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. 
So we need not to fear. And lastly, demons, they, listen to me, and this is the, one of the greatest tricks. Demons, they study you very well. Demons study you very well. And they want to know what pulls your, you away from God. They want to know what you're passionate for. And they study your passions. They study your gifts. They study your desires. They listen to the things that you say with your own mouth. And their goal is to lead you astray from loving God. See, the goal of every Christian's life is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Look at me. Listen to me. It doesn't have to be spooky to be evil. It doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be dark and demonic to fool you. It just has to be something that the demon puts in your way that's going to get you away from loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It can be a new job. It can be a person. Now, don't turn to your neighbor right now and say, Oh, you're demon-possessed. <laughs> it can be anything to get you away from loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It can be a really, really good thing that the enemy puts in your way to deceive you and to pull you and lure you away from your first love and that is loving God with all your heart. So how do we deal with demons real quick as I close right now? Number one, never take demons lightly. Oh, we're not to be afraid, but we're never to take them lightly. I'm reminded of the story of the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts chapter 19 the Bible says that these young men they noticed that Paul the Apostle man he was he was casting out demons and they thought to themselves hey you know what this guy's casting out demons we can make some money he's doing it for free but we can make some money so what did they do they got a big sign and it said sons of Sceva demon chasers just come in and be delivered from demons and their first try at their first crack at it, this man came in, in their office and sat down and he had a suit on and he looked really like he had it all together. He said, you know, I have a demon. And they said, well, we're going to pray for this man. And they laid their hands on this man. And the Bible says, this demon in this man gave him such a beating that they ran away naked. That's a beating. <laughs> and the demon looked up at these men and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. You I don't know. And he gave them a beating. Friends, we don't take demons lightly. If you're not prayed up, if you're not sought up, if you don't know the word, then stay away. But friends, that's not the answer. It's prayed up, get the word in you, and know greater is he that is in you. That, and let's go out there and, 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 and punch a hole into the darkness so people can see the light. Number two, don't ever flirt with the demon world. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit home with some of you right now. Never flirt with the demon world. Ouija boards, it's not just a game from Parker Brothers. Seances, you might think, well, you know, it's just this nice little game. No one's going to get hurt. The Bible tells us that we're not to engage in anything that speaks to the dead. I want you to see what it says in the Word of God, Deuteronomy chapter 28, about dealing with things when it comes to speaking to the dead. Palm reading, seances, 
Ouija boards. You know, one time my wife and I, we went um, on a short little vacation for our anniversary. We went to this little town called Jim Thorpe. Anybody ever go to that little town? Little town called Jim Thorpe. I thought, cute little town. And so we went and stayed in a bed and breakfast. That was spooky in itself. Sharing a bathroom with somebody else, that's spooky, all right? I just could, you know, we, we went into this little town. I just, something in my spirit wasn't right. So the next day, we were staying right across the street from a row of stores. And the next day, we said, well, let's just go and check out, you know, the different stores. And let's go see the antique shops. And so we walked into a shop. And the moment I walked into the shop, something said to me in my spirit, you're not welcome here. And I noticed as I was looking around that the, the gentleman that was behind the counter wouldn't look up at me. He was very, like, standoffish, very, very, very cold. And I started to look around at the stuff that was on the, on the shelves, and I, and I started to realize that it was actually a shop that sold all kinds of stuff for witchcraft. And then I walked a little bit further, and in the back of the shop, there was a palm reading booth. And I felt in my spirit, I knew the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not welcome in this place because there are demonic forces in this place. And I walked out of the store, I'll never forget, and we went to the back, the side of the store, and there was a big article about how they hated Christians. They, did, they wrote this big article about Christians and fundamentalists, and they were mocking Christianity. And I said, you see, I knew there was something wrong in this place. Friends, you don't go near the kingdom of darkness. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God said to the people of God, listen what he said, when you enter the land of the, that the Lord has given you, do not learn or imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their sons or daughters in the fire, who practice divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. We have we have no business consulting the dead. Listen to me. Look at me. Your mother, your father, I hate to tell you this, your uncle, your great-grandfather, they cannot speak to you. The Bible says that the dead cannot speak to us. There's only one spirit that will speak to you. If you hear a spirit, you think it's your mother's spirit, your brother's spirit, your father's spirit, it's a demon spirit. It wants to suck you into the spiritual world. It wants you to get to be dependent upon that spirit. But that spirit comes as an angel of light, but it is an angel of darkness. And you don't play with it. You don't touch it. The Bible says, come out and be separate from among them. To not touch the unclean thing. Why? Because it's detestable to the Lord it's danger stay away so what happens if you've been involved in this I want to tell you how serious it is the Bible says it's detestable to the Lord so you say pastor Steve if I've ever been involved in this what do I do number one I want to tell you as I close right now number one you repent you repent of your sins the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins the Bible says if we say that we have not sinned we make God a liar and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we repent of our sins number two the second thing we do is we renounce all practices of evil the Bible says that, that 
that many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds and a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly they renounced the works of evil friend you repent of your sin and you promise God I will never be involved in anything that has to do with witchcraft sorcery speaking to the dead any of that stuff that's demonic I renounce it number three you receive forgiveness of your sins friend no matter who you are God wants to forgive you and cleanse you it was incredible in the second service the reason why the third service started late was people were repenting of their sins and God was coming and healing them and restoring them and filling them with the Holy Spirit you renounce and you receive forgiveness of sin and then you render Satan powerless in your life the Bible says and soon Satan will be crushed under your feet the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet friends renounce the practice and render the devil powerless in your life stay away from this stuff and render the enemy powerless in your life and the last thing re-engage re-engage with the Spirit of God you know the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 the fruit or the characteristics of the evil flesh is witchcraft it's sorcery it's anger it's brawling it's all kinds of adultery he said but the fruit of the Spirit is peace and love joy self-control he said if you walk in these things and you walk in the power of the Spirit you will not gratify the lust of the evil one and the flesh which is sorcery and witchcraft so what's the secret be filled with the Holy Spirit why don't you close your eyes right now father in the name of Jesus Christ I pray that God that you would come into this place right now God and God that you would begin to touch us Lord God we thank you that your world is a real world God I thank you God today that you're calling a people to pray and you're calling a people out of this world God that will be holy and blameless and they'll not touch the unclean thing and God we thank you that even though there's a, a kingdom of darkness the kingdom of light will prevail and soon Satan will be crushed under our feet and God I pray right now that we would put on the full armor of God that we would not fall into the deceptions and schemes of the enemy and God I ask right now that you would begin to do a work a work of your spirit in this place in the name of Jesus I pray every head bowed every eye closed you say pastor I'm not certain that if I died today I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins I need to get right with God I want you to raise your hands right now anybody anybody God bless you God bless you for that little hand anybody else yes I see that hand yes anybody else in this place you say pastor pray for me I'm not sure yes I see that hand yes I see that hand yes 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 I see those hands anybody else just say pastor I need to get right with God I need to repent of my sins and get right with God anybody else in this room raise your hands quickly you say pastor pray for me yes I see that little hand if somebody's raising their hand and they're a little girl or a little boy bring them